All right, Ryan, we're back. We got we got the snafu figured out here. Um, so you, where you left off, so you're talking a little bit about how you approach competition and all the training that goes into to six attempts. So at this stage of your career, like I'm much older than you are, but at this stage in your career, is it more about just – the, the personal uh, like intrinsic motivation about continuing to compete or is there like something else that, you know, just stokes the fire when it comes to this for you? So I've never talked about this on a podcast before either. I am extrinsically motivated. Is that the correct term? I'm ex- motivated sure. um, <laughs> to, to Olympic lift. Um, I obviously enjoy it for myself to be athletic and to be competitive. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I I have this competitive nature in me and Mm -hmm. there is nothing else that is kind of, um, fulfilling that for me. But, um, a quick little story. I remember early on in my career, I was watching one of my teams compete in their sport. And Mm -hmm. as watching them, I'm like paying attention, but I, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of not because I'm thinking about weightlifting and stuff. And this thought crosses my mind and I'm looking at my athletes and I go, I have to always be stronger than all of you. Like that was just the thought that I had. And ever since that day, I've been like, let's go. Like, (laughs) so um, part of what does it for me is obviously competitive nature. And maybe that's the internal factor, but the external side of it is like, I want to always compete with my athletes. Sure. I always want to be stronger than them. And mm-hmm. I want to be trying to hit a podium number. And mm-hmm. I like, But also I have these like, you know, little rivalries in my head about other lifters and they're in my head. Like they don't know that I'm trying to beat them, but like, I want right. to beat them. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of that drive is external. Um, but my mindset is a little different in, you know, we talked about, you know, competing and, and being at this high level. And I haven't really been on the podium since 2018. And I think because I talked about it before, for me, I've turned into, Hey, there's no professional weightlifting for you. At right. this. Right. <laughs> so you better make the most out of your career. Mm-hmm. And so as I've gotten older, I'm like, hey, I should probably like really prioritize where I'm headed in, in my career life versus my training life. Um, and that's been a hard thing for me to wrap my mind around. At the end of the day, I understand like it is just a hobby for me at this point in time. And, you know, I've gotten older. And so some days I'm like, my body really doesn't like that today or you know what I mean, so um, it. Yeah, I think it's the focus has switched a little bit, but I'm still very competitive and want to do it. I mean, it's just interesting because as like if I I mean I'm I'm nowhere near as strong as as my kids are now, so I'm glad uh, I don't I'm not maybe not as competitive as you are when it comes to that. But when um, when when you're when you're preparing. for, for these competitions and, and you're getting ready, like, do you ever think like, you know, if I had not like a nine to five desk job, but like, if I had, I don't know, if I wasn't on my feet 12 to 14 hours a day, um, like that the numbers might be a little higher. Like, does that thought ever cross your mind of like, mm, maybe, you know, getting up at 5am every day or 6am and staying up till 
well, you know, I have you here till nine thirty already. So, like, <laughs> does, do, does that ever like, you know, creep in there, or is it just you just go and that's how it goes? I think I I think of it the opposite way. So I'm on weightlifting without being a strength and conditioning coach. So first competition, I was at the University of Kentucky. I was already right. starting my career, so I don't know what it's like to not have that. The thing that I always think about and remind myself of is like, give yourself a pat on the back for all of the stuff that you've accomplished because you're doing it while also maintaining this great career or competing against people that this is their job. I was just going to, I was going to ask you that. Like I always have to remind myself like they're, they are training for work, right? That's Mm -hmm. work. Um, Whereas I am just supplementing it in my sure. day. Right. Um, so I, I have to, I'm very hard on myself. And so sometimes I just have to take a step back and be like, no, you're doing great for what you are able to do because there are people that, that are training just to train. And that is, all right. they're doing. that's who you're competing against. So, so don't be so upset if you didn't right. take a gold medal from them because they probably should have it. Right. right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, and I think the fact that I'm in a weight room all the time actually really helps because I don't know that nine to five, like I would have to train either before the nine or after the, right. Right. but whenever I have some downtime, like I, I can just switch clothes and run out to the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. so it's been really convenient. So with, so with that, like, just like wearing all these different hats that you wear, like when you, when you started at Clemson, I mean, that's a major ACC you know, college, you know, national champion football program. And, and you walk into their weight room and is it, does it, it, I don't want to say like inspire you, but like, is it like, wow, like this is, I'm in Clemson now. Like I started at Oshkosh and now I'm at like one of the top, I don't know, five, 10, 15, you know, colleges in the whole country. Like, do you ever stop and think about that? So I go back to how naive I was, Uh Um, starting out because when I emailed Kentucky for an internship, I had no idea that they were a power five school in the SD. I didn't even know what that meant. Because I was only ever exposed to division three athletics. Um, and you like watch these schools on TV. And even before I knew about Kentucky, like they had a TV show about their cheer team. Um, and I don't know if you knew that, but like, no, I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. They had a show, a reality show about their cheer team. And I ended up getting to work with cheer. So like that was something really cool for me because I grew up watching it. And so when I got my position at Clemson, one of the things that I said to myself early on was don't ever take for granted seeing the paw, like don't get bored of the fact that you work at the school with the orange paw, right? Like I always wanted that to be something that was exciting for me. And that could always ground me because I think a lot of times people go to these divisions or to these schools or to these logos because they want the notoriety that comes with that school or, you know, puff their chest out a little bit or whatever it is. It wasn't about that for me. It was just, I, I got to work with these really awesome athletes that just so happened to be at this really cool university. Right. Now at Tennessee, like 
I get to do that again. And I do it in the SEC this time. So it's almost like it's full circle for me from where it started to where it is now. And so that's like, it's, it's really cool for me to sit back and like kind of see how all of that happens. Yeah, I mean, those shades of orange suit you well, right? So <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, you must really love orange. Yeah, all right. Sure. <laughs> Maybe the next stop might be at Texas with that burnt orange, right? <laughs> you never know what is right. in the cards, right. Right. used to say. But so, like, you're at Clemson and you're, you're working with soccer and softball. Like, I mean, these athletes are, like, the top 1% in the United States for what they do. And you're charged with kind of, you know, molding, developing these athletes to stay on, on the pitch and, and, and to be safe and healthy and things like, but besides the weightlifting portion of it, like how, I, like, I'll, like for me, for example, like my athletes share things with me that they probably wouldn't ever share with anybody else. And sometimes it takes a semester. Sometimes it's like the first week um, in your, in your role and in, in, uh, strength and conditioning there, like you spend a lot of time in the off season, probably more time with the, with the athletes than the actual coaches do. Like, how are you able to like balance that or, or kind of, you know, keep the, the coach hat versus, you know, I'm the counselor today or mom or like, how, <clears throat> how, how do you like kind of navigate those waters, if you will? So very early yeah. on coaching career at Kentucky, I, Um, got very close to the head football strength and conditioning coach at Kentucky because I work Kentucky football only for a little bit, but even before then, um, I'm, I'm as much as I said earlier that I am very introverted at work. I'm very extroverted. I'm very much social butterfly. I will go to, you know, the athletic training room, the dietitians, the football, like I will just I want to build relationships with people. So I did that at Kentucky and I would go over football a lot. Um, Corey Edmond is his name. He taught very early on the art of knowing when to hug an athlete is when to push an athlete. Um, And that was a really valuable lesson for me as a young coach, because like you mentioned, there are times where you have to be giving an ear to listen but there are times when you have to be like, no, get your butt in gear, get out of my office and go do that. Like you have to know situations of when to push and when to hug. Um, and he was someone that was really instrumental in helping me understand stuff like that. Because like you mentioned, you as a strength and conditioning coach are with those athletes so much more because you're allowed to be, but you're the bridge between and the coach. And there is a very fine line between athletes having enough confidence and trust in you to come to, but also knowing what information to sift through and dissect and then relay to the coaches so that they're in the know, but also not breaking the confidentiality of the athlete. Um, So that's been that's an art. And I think a lot of people, um, need to know how to do that because you are in a position where that's a skill that you need to right. have. No, I totally agree. I mean, it's something, um, like it just was interesting when I went through the USA, uh, level one and level two coaching. Um, I asked at the level two, I was like, you know, is there anything on like interpersonal relationships or like you, you maybe at this level, you're expected to start developing, 
you know, maybe higher caliber athletes and my research and in regards to coach athlete relationships, I mean, that's where, that's the key, right. Especially with throwing, like all these Olympic coaches is basically like, once you have the kids hooked, that's, that's the conduit to get them to that next level. Um, and I was just kind of surprised that there really wasn't much like discussed in, in those two days that, that we spent there, but in your internship program that you, um, were kind of spearheading at Clemson, did you, do you spend any time with your new interns that come in of, you know, this is when you hug an athlete, this is when you push an athlete, or is that like, do they watch that happen? Um, and then you kind of like dissect it as you go. Yeah, not so much like no. it's like a lesson that we have set up where it's like, uh-huh. here are the things that you do and here are the things that you don't do. Um, but it is more so when a situation uh-huh. comes up uh-huh. and that's a learning opportunity. Um, and one that comes to mind for me in particular is when I was at Clemson, the softball program, and they still are doing awesome things. They're still getting notoriety, but very early on, you know, they were really great, really early. And there's a standout athlete on that team. She walked in the weight room one day and one of the interns was like, there's the stud, blah, blah, blah. And like yelling to this athlete. And I pulled that intern in after, and I said, Hey, I appreciate that you acknowledge that she's really good at what she's doing she is not the type of person that wants the acknowledgement in front of a lot of people. So next time you see her be a bit more discreet. Sure. So it's moments like that, that you can take to teach them and maybe they make a mistake in the moment, but take them aside so that they don't repeat it. Right. Um, so nothing outlined, but definitely learning opportunities as they arise. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to ask about, I mean, I got all these questions here for you. <laughs> I'll try and go a little faster, but um, working at these high, high level programs, Kentucky, VCU, Clemson, now you're at Tennessee. Is there like when, when you step into those um, universities, is there somebody above you that's like, okay, like that you're not, I don't want to say like, you're going to ask for autographs or like, you're going to go like, Hey, can I, can I meet Dabo Sweeney or something like that? Like, is there, is there a part of like, that indoctrination that I, I pronounced that wrong. Sorry. I think, you know, where I'm getting going. With this <laughs> yeah. Lane. So is it, so do, are there others in the, on campus that are like, Hey, listen, like this is your like position. Like you don't like ask for autographs or try and do things of that nature. I know this sounds, it's probably a weird question, but I, I just like curious, like what, what that is like. Yeah. There are um, a lot of unwritten rules in strength and conditioning and sure. Being in strength and conditioning, you get um, access to these athletes and these coaches that the general public doesn't get. Right. And with that access comes a certain type of um, professionalism and maturity that maybe you're not going to see upheld in a normal setting with right. your general population people. So mm-hmm. things like asking for autographs or whatever it may be, it's really... I've never even, that thought has never even crossed my mind just because I'm like, I want, like, I want to treat this person like a normal person. Right. Uh, right? The thought has always been like, act like you've been there before. Um, So if it's the first time that you're meeting Dabo Sweeney, don't make it seem like it's the first time that you're Dabo, Um, you know, he's a human and like treat him as such. And so, um, 
I actually had, you know, I've, I've had my fangirl moments where I'm like, holy cow, this person's here right now. Right. I'm like super excited. And internally I'm like, oh geez. Yeah. Externally I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> and, and I just want them to feel like they can be themselves around me because I know many times they probably are not able to right. be. I mean, I don't want that to sound uh, naive, but like my brother's, uh, my brother's a professor at Arizona State, and he teaches a lot of like intro psych courses and things. So his um, June, July is a lot of incoming freshmen, soccer players, football players and whatnot. And I always ask him, I'm like, he's like, man, like, I don't like, I don't care. Like they're students, like, yeah, sure. They're here on scholarship and stuff, but they got to pass intro to psych. So I'm yeah. the one that's like tasked with doing that, but he's so like nonchalant about it. I'm like, yeah, well, you've, you know, you were at Penn state, like now you're at Arizona state, like higher, you know, pro, I don't know. I just think it's cool. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just think yeah. it's something that's really interesting. It's, it's definitely cool. And I think because I try to play the cool cards so often I mm. miss out on these cool opportunities sure. to like get right. someone's autograph, like, like mm-hmm. a, I'm a diehard Chicago Bears fan. Like I'm Chicago, absolutely love the team. When I was at Kentucky, I had the opportunity to train with a very, very well-known Chicago Bears player. And in my head, I'm like, this is a great opportunity. Get a picture, get an autograph. He's here for a workout. (laughs) And I just want to be available to observe and help in any way that and I don't want to treat him like anyone else would treat him. And so I'm like, dang, I missed on the opportunity to get like an autograph from a hall of fame level guy, but also I got the opportunity to train with him, which was right. invaluable. So, I mean, they're straight offs. Right. Well, not like I, um, I had an opportunity when I first started coaching, I, um, I took a couple of my college athletes to Ashland, Ohio, where, um, Judd Logan, um, was the, the head throwing coach there. And he went to four Olympic games in the hammer and he had a training group there. So I emailed him and I was like, he's never going to email me back. So he's like, yeah, sure. Come on out. So Martin Luther King day of 05, we drove out there a couple hours from our campus and um, there's two Olympians training there and uh, a whole bunch of other like world championship participants. And I walk in this field house and I'm like, they were, I just watched them on TV in the 04 Olympics and, and like, they're going to let us train. And that was like my, my first one, my first like fan out moment. But then after a while you kind of get, you know, accustomed to like, Oh yeah, they went to the 08 Olympics. They were at the 12 Olympics. They were at the 16 Olympics. And it's just like, it's, it's like whatever, but I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I might fail at a D one school then if I, <laughs> if I get that, if it was in that situation, but um, so I, I was going to ask, and I, I don't know how, I don't want this to sound weird or anything. So how do you get acknowledged nationally as being the strength, assistant strength and conditioning coach of the year? Like how, how does that work? If you don't mind so me asking. The process that, that I understand um, is that people get nominated to begin. <clears throat> Obviously you don't nominate yourself. Uh, sure. so, so someone else nominated me. Right. Um, I finally found out who it was. Um, so shout out to uh, one of the professors at Kentucky. Um, but you get nominated to start. And then once you get nominated, you get notified that you um, were nominated. And there's an entire rubric that the NSCA sends 
And it has to do with your certifications, your involvement in at the national level with the CA. Um, it has to do with your athletic involvement. So the team you're working with, um, their level of um, wins, um, like, you know, do they go to the NCAA tournament, sure. win their conference, um, level of uh, academic scholarship athletes, like there's a lot that goes into it, all these different um, criteria go into it. And it's also stuff like talking on podcasts or writing, um, you know, articles or just things that make you relevant and stay involved. Um, so you fill out all of that. Once you fill that out, then the information goes to a task force. And I, I have to be points driven. Um, they, I don't remember exactly how it's done, but you know, the task force gets given X amount of nominees and then the task force is what votes based on, you know, you submit your, your resume, you submit your points. And then I think there was one more thing that you submit. Um, it might be like a letter to the task force, sure. um, expressing your interest in what this award would mean. Um, so after they go through all of that, they vote. And so, um, I didn't know that that was the process to it. So I, it was explained to me. And, um, from what I understand, basically that's how you're able to get the national acknowledgement. And from that, obviously the award came and that was awesome. Um, like I was super shocked. They didn't expect that at all, but I was so intrigued by the process. I reached to the NSCA and I was like, how do I get to be on this task force? Like, I want to have a voice and have a hand in it. And so I get to be on it too, um, because I can't oh. again. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I can't win the assistant uh, coach of the year award again. So mm -hmm. I get to be part of the task force that gets to vote in the future because I just want to be involved in the next generation of coaches and, um, you know, do my part uh, beyond just counting the sets and reps for the athletes. That is amazing. Like, I, I mean, I, I didn't know how uh, delicate the process, I mean, maybe that's not the best word, but like how convoluted that oh, sounds. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, to get all of that different stuff, I mean, in track, it's usually whoever has the most athletes in a region going to nationals as the coach who gets the award regardless right. of everything else that you you suggested there i should mention that to d3 track and start divvying up this award every once in a while as opposed to just giving it to the same coach that i compete against all the time but yeah <laughs> no he's a great guy but uh, he we just competed against his group at um brockport and he just um steamrolls everybody and it's just so cool to watch it because like from my perspective it's like these kids have no idea what they're like going through yeah. right now. Like how many are, are ranked in the top 10 in the country. They're all going to go to nationals. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's just really interesting, but like similar to that, and maybe this will be the last question. Like do your athletes that you work with, um, you know, you receive this award, uh, this high distinction, this high honor, do they, do they realize like what they, like what they're going through? Like four years goes fast. You know, maybe some are going to take a COVID fifth year or maybe a sixth year, depending on what happens. Like the athletes that you work with, do they like, do they get like, wow, like what a great honor this is. Like it goes so fast. Like, or is it like, do you ever have those like aside conversations of like, Hey, you know what, you, you kind of need to get it together here. Like, or I don't know. I just, you know, working with D3 athletes, it's, you know, they, they come to school because they, they enjoy 
the majors or it's close to home or it's just far enough away, like you mentioned, that mom or dad aren't going to show up. Um, but the athletes that you work with, it's, it's a little different, right? Like they're coming from all over the country to, you know, maybe win an SEC championship or a national championship now. Like, do, do, you, do you think that it's, they, they get it sometimes or maybe they don't? Yeah, I think you you find a spectrum of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think you get athletes that really understand their purpose and their intention behind being here. And then you get some of those ones that you're like, can you just get your act together? Like (laughs) you have all the potential in the world and you are just really are not utilizing. Um, So I always try to, one of the reasons why I work in the college setting is because I understand how memorable and impactful this time of their lives is and will be moving forward. So I'm always super excited to just potentially be part of a memory or have a hand in their success. And that's why I work at the level that I do. Um, And I think like, if you go by the, like the days go slow, but the years go fast kind of process, you know, I think that helps really kind of put things into perspective. So when the athletes day to day are like, you know, this is tough, or we had a tough practice, or I'm tired or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but like, you're going to miss this when you're fun. So I want you to enjoy every moment because I can pull from my own athletic experience and be like, uh, when I was in the, you know, day to day of gymnastics and my shoulder hurting and my hip was doing this and it's very easy to complain and take it for granted, but now I'm like, wow, I miss being able to throw on a pair of grips and swing on a bar. Like I, I just, I try to bring that stuff up to them to again, kind of remind them like, be where your feet are, enjoy the moment. It's going to go by quickly. And then you're out in the real world or you're out on the professional setting and they're going to be very different for you. So I really do try to have them understand the gravity of which the situation is that we are in and I want them to enjoy it and absolutely love it. But I also want them to realize this is not forever. Right. <laughs> so you enjoy it while you're, while you're in it. Um, and I don't like the complaining. I try to like stop that a lot. I'm like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> <Moving on. laughs> um, I don't want to hear about this anymore. Go do right. this. Right. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time twice <laughs> to get yeah, this, no problem. Uh, this wrapped up. Uh, you know, I really, I really appreciate it. And, and I mean, I, I think your athletes at Tennessee, wow, like what an awesome person that they're going to get to work with now moving forward. That's so cool. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Well, have, have a great uh, rest of your season, I guess. I mean, the semester's over. I mean, our semester's over this week. So I don't know. Your kids are probably graduating in a couple of weeks also, right? We are at a close here soon. I think this might be next week. Um, soccer, obviously, they're fall sports, so they're right. done. But um, tennis is selection show tomorrow night. So we will see where they go. So you might be busy. Could be. Continuing. Well, that's good. Hopefully you are, <laughs> you know, right, rather than training for Olympic weightlifting and things. But, Ryan, thank you so much again. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. This is awesome. Thank you.